0: Good morning and let's turn please to 2nd Timothy today, 2nd Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7 where quite possibly someone did the same thing we're doing, better call Paul. Today the message will be seamlessly segueing into communion service which is, I think, just an appropriate way to kick off 2017. One of the things about communion, Paul makes it very clear that we are to discern the Lord's body, and that means many things, really. It means that we should discern that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is present with us and still communicating to his church, through the revelation of himself, through the scriptures, through the spirit. We're also to consider that present with us is the body of Christ, universal, believers from the past, believers who have passed into the presence of the Lord, who are with him face to face, the forward movement of the phalanx of believers, so that all The body of Christ in all times of history is here present with us also. Discerning the Lord's body also means that we are aware that beginning this year, some members of the body may be bearing burdens that without the spirit, without the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit and the word and the prayers and intercessions of the saints would be unbearable burdens. And Galatians 6 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the Torah of Messiah, which means the teaching of Messiah, who said, Love one another as I have loved you. And we'll be bringing that forward also. That's what makes the Eucharist, the communion service, done right. Paul goes on even to explain in 1 Corinthians 11 that each person should examine themselves in connection with this so that we will be partaking of this service worthily with the right attitude. And so welcome to what I have dubbed 2017, the year of the breakout, the gospel unchained, the year of the breakout, the gospel unchained. Say we've just called Paul, We've dialed him up. You know his number: Seven times. Grace Trinity. This is what he would say over a clear, communicative line in Second Timothy chapter two and verse seven. Consider what I'm saying, and this is in the present. Paul has a message, and like Abel. He being dead or he being with the Lord still speaks. Another title I could give to our present ongoing series, Better Call Paul, would be Paul on the Level of Our Own Time. Consider what I'm saying, he said. And here's the promise for 2017 for us. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Consider what I'm saying well we should because paul said what he received and this is our beginning of the year and end of last year word study para didomi para didomi and it's it means several things it's used for the act of betrayal of the lord jesus by judas iscariot Handing over, handed him over. He betrayed him on the night that he was betrayed. He instituted the communion service, which we are to perform. And until he comes proclaiming his death till he comes. Paul said that which I have received from the Lord, I pass on to you. So consider what I say. I have received an apocalypse from the Lord. I did not receive this gospel by being taught by men. I didn't receive it from mankind but by a disclosure, an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. For when it pleased God, notice it says when it pleased God. He didn't say when I decided to believe, when I decided to become a Christian, when I sent up positive signals to the Lord, he chose to reveal his son to me. No, God chose to reveal his son to Paul when it pleased the Lord period over and out and if anybody wasn't sending up positive signals at that moment it was Saul of Tarsus he was sending out vibes of murder and the Lord was pleased at that moment to reveal his son to him that Paul might in turn reveal him to the nations including us we modern-day pagans Paradidomi then also means to hand over in a good sense, that which I receive from the Lord, I hand over to you, paradidomi. And in the night he was betrayed or handed over, paradidomi, he said, do this in remembrance of me. This is going to then segue into the communion. Paul says, consider what I'm saying and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So let this be the promise that we cherish in 2017. The word study, paradidomy. The promise, the Lord will give us insight, understanding of everything Paul is saying. What Paul is saying to us from the Lord, because it is the Lord who will give us understanding. We listen to what Paul is saying by revelation. It's the Lord Himself active in the church today. And this is the most prominent activity of the Lord giving us understanding in everything. So, what Paul is saying, what he is proclaiming in all his epistles, is from a revelation, an entirely divinely initiated disclosure of God in Jesus Christ, the Lord. It is not from men. If it were from men, then men would be the ones who would interpret it for us. But it's from the Lord. So the Lord will interpret it for us. Through the spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace. Our duty, then, we have the word study, we have the promise, we have our duty this year is to consider... And that's simply the present active imperative. An imperative means our duty is enjoined here. Present active imperative of the verb noeo. Noeo, which means to consider carefully what I'm saying. Not to just give it a passing glance, but as James said, to. Be attentive and to stare and gaze into the fulfilled Torah of liberty, the fulfilled Torah of freedom. The fulfilled Torah of freedom is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are in a crisis in history in which this gospel must become disentangled from westernized concepts, which presents a gospel that's contractual, it has stipulations on humanity, that's anthropocentric instead of Christocentric, and that has no eschatological assurance for mankind or for the world. And this is all going to be unchained. So what Paul says is a revelation from the Lord, and the Lord who is full of giving will give us understanding. That's the word Didomi. He will give a very gracious verb. He will give it unconditionally, unreservedly to us. The Lord who is full of giving, as James 1.5 describes him, will give. That's the future active indicative of didomi. We can expect that in our future in 2017. The Lord will give understanding of everything. So Paul's on the line and he says, consider what I'm saying and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Our beloved brother, Paul says this for what Paul said to the communities to whom he wrote his epistles is being said today to the 21st century communities in Christ. I'm convinced that only the tip of the spear of advancing believers are hearing it so far but we have to say what we see. We have to proclaim what we appropriate in the spirit. Woe is unto me. If I don't, I would say personally. So we may also consider our study, Paul on the level of our own time. Not that we impose our times and our generation on Paul's writings. No, not at all. But this means that Paul has a message that's very pertinent to our time, to us, in what is known as the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, A.D. The year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Just remember that. This year is the year of our Lord. This isn't my year. People say it all the time in their foolishness right around midnight. This is going to be my year. This is going to be our year. This is going to be when we hit it big. This is the year of the Lord. And the Lord is going to give us understanding. This is the year of our Lord. In this year of our Lord, the Lord will give us insight into everything that Paul is saying. Our job is to consider it. We meet together for that reason. Consider what he's saying in all his epistles. And speaking of all his epistles, we have a reference to all his epistles in the second epistle of Peter. Paul, in all of his epistles, Peter says, speaks to us about these things. And what things was he talking about? The same thing John was talking about in the Revelation. The coming of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness is always at home. And that doesn't mean right action only. That means the saving act of God in Christ in the new creation is always immediate to us. It's not something we think of a long time in the future. It's being close to the cross, the salvific act of God in Christ which was enacted in the beginning with the incarnation of Christ, his life lived in the flesh, his crucifixion, his burial, resurrection, ascension, and present session of enthronement at the right hand of the father in the new creation. And if any person is in Christ, there's the new creation in this new creation. The righteousness of God is always at home, meaning The saving act of God in Christ is always immediately present. That's what will make the new creation. One in which everyone is expressing gratitude and thanksgiving in all things. And that new creation has come in its inaugurative phase. It hasn't come completely. But it has come. And our Lord, I think what the father would say to us, to this little flock, as Jesus would speak for his father, because if you've seen him, you've seen the father, Jesus says, fear not little flock. It is my father's desire to give you the kingdom and God will do all his will. So speaking of all his epistles we read that in all the epistles of Paul he speaks of a new creation in which the saving act of God in Christ is always immediate in us in our thinking in our thoughts 2 Peter 3:13 The writer also says that Paul speaks in all of his epistles of the patience of the Lord which is salvation. All of Paul's epistles then are soteriological. They relate to a saving act of God in Christ. They are the patience of the Lord is salvation. Among other things, this patience of the Lord is a salvation that's embodied in the Lord himself the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a result of his patience, which was his patient endurance of the cross, which was the way he took to exaltation, the way he took to exaltation and enthronement at the right side of God. We also read there in that second Peter three 15 and 16, that there are things in Paul's Epistles that are hard to understand. noeto. This word noeo found in a compound word. And again, I'm not going to get too, too word studyish ish today. I know some of you may have even stayed up past midnight last night. I do almost every Saturday night and then get up early, but that's because I'm tough. Dus, D-U-S, N-O-E-T-A. Dus, notice the word noeo is in there, sort of. Dus noeta. In Paul's epistles, there are things that are hard to be understood. I think that's especially true about Romans because... In Romans, you see things that apparently are contradictory. Paul seems to say something and then says it's exact opposite until we unravel. What Paul is doing is presenting two opposites in order to highlight the gospel that he preaches, which is unchained, unrestricted love, unconditional love, an unconditioned covenant that makes no stipulation toward man. At all, doesn't even look for positive antenna signals from people, because there's none that seeketh God. There's none that understands, so the Lord must give us understanding. There are many things. Well, He doesn't say many, but there are some things hard to understand. Deus noetos. And so my response to that is, well, if they're hard to understand, then all the better because the Lord will give us understanding. And right now in history, the Lord is giving understanding of things that were hard to understand in Paul and which sadly so-called scholars and theologians, the same passage says in 2 Peter 3.16, Distorted and twisted Paul's gospel to their own destruction. And I think since the Reformation, because of westernized interpretations, contractual understandings of the gospel imposed on Romans, and a justification theory that is in no way justified, has distorted the gospel, has distorted Paul's writings. And this is a tragedy. It's a crisis. And so welcome to the year of the gospel unchained. All the better then that there are some things hard to understand because nothing is too hard for the Lord. He will give us understanding of everything in all of Paul's epistles because as he wrote himself, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all, in that sacred space, never mind safe spaces, sacred space of the presence of the Spirit transforming, in that sacred space of his presence and activity, where the righteous of God or his saving act in Christ is immediate to us that which distinguishes victorious Christians from Christians who aren't cutting it is the immediacy of this saving act to them their closeness to the cross and to the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving act. In the new creation, this act is immediately present. It's immense. Yes, we've seen its immensity because it's universal. God has planned to sum up everything in his son. That's the mystery. That's the mystery of God's intent. That's the immensity of it. But 2017 ought to be a year of the immediacy of it. The close proximity of it. The reality of it. Yes. The experience of it. And so, in that sacred space which you inhabit because God inhabits you, in that space of His presence and activity, we all, with open face, Paul writes, behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Please note the consistent references today to the Lord. That's one of his many names, but one most significant. And we are changed from one degree of glory to the next into the image of the Lord by his spirit, which is the Lord, the spirit. The spirit is the Lord. To the degree that we are changed And it's imperceptible. If we perceived our change, we'd become arrogant. So it's imperceptible, incremental change. Each time we meet and dial up Paul, we dial up the revelation of Jesus Christ. We behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We're changed from one degree to the next. It's imperceptible, but it's real and it's continual to that degree that we're changed we will also become effective ambassadors of Christ Christ the lord with a message of reconciliation reconciliation of the world to Christ 2 Corinthians 5:17 and 19 Five seventeen through 21, in fact. And God reconciled the world to himself by the peace that God made through the blood of the cross of the son of his love. We have another sense of this gift of insight into Paul's epistles in Ephesians, a.k.a. what? Bingo. Very good. Laodiceans three Paul writes there in verse one stay in second Timothy two those Paul writes and we've already translated this in our series so far in our 17 introductory messages way back there in 2016 do you ever think you'd say way back in 2016 I never thought honestly I thought I might make the cut of 2000 when I was a teenager because I was living at an accelerated rate of living. But I I didn't think that I'd be saying back there in 2016. But we are saying that today. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, please note that phrase, the prisoner of Christ for you pagans. Gentiles is too smooth of a term. This is a scandalous gospel. It's a gospel to pagans. And that's what made it so scandalous. Paul said, I am an apostle to the uncircumcised. That's what David called Goliath with a couple of other salty terms joined in. Uncircumcised SOB is basically what he said. But for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ on behalf of you pagans, And then he says, he pauses for a moment. He's on the line, but he pauses, and he says, I assume that you have heard of the stewardship of the grace of God that was given to me for you, in verse 3, and that the mystery was made known to me by revelation, kata apokalupsin. So if the gospel was made known to him by an apocalypse, and the mystery was known to him, made known to him by the apocalypse, then it must be that the gospel is the mystery. And the mystery is that God is going to, and this is his unstoppable determination, summarize all created reality in his uncreated son. That's Ephesians 1, 9 through 11. That we gain insight into this mystery this year is the promise. The Lord will give us understanding of everything. That's a pretty good syllabus, isn't it? That's your syllabus, today's orientation. That's your syllabus. The prisoner of Christ on behalf of you, he said, I hope, I think you've understood. I'm assuming that you've heard. Paul hasn't been there yet to Laodicea. He's in prison in Asia Minor somewhere. And he says, and that this mystery was made on to me by revelation. Then he says this. It sounds similar to 2 Timothy two seven. He says as I have written about in brief above, he said, by reading this, the word anagonasco is sort of like noeo, by carefully attending upon these truths, by studying these, reading these repeatedly, therefore studying carefully as in Second 2 Timothy 2.7, you'll be able to gain an insight into my understanding about the Messiah, the mystery of the Messiah. Paul's understanding. Better call Paul. We're going to get his understanding. We consider what Paul says, and the Lord gives us understanding of everything. We read carefully what Paul writes, and we are given insight by the Lord into Paul's own understanding of the mystery of the Messiah. And we disentangle the hard things, some hard things that have been twisted and distorted since the reformation, not only in the days when second Peter was written, But in our own time, more so, this gospel has been distorted. Welcome to the year of the gospel unchained. A man in a chain writes about this mystery, ironically enough. He closes Laodiceans by saying, pray for me, an ambassador in chains, a chained ambassador. That's an ironic thing in itself. Aren't ambassadors to other kingdoms supposed to have diplomatic immunity? Not this one. Not the one with the message of reconciliation of all things, which is resisted by the powers that be the invisible powers that be. For our battle, Paul said, is not against blood and flesh, but against principalities and powers and evil in high places, spiritual evil in high places, including places of theological academia who insist from their ivory tower on a gospel that is conditional, anthropocentric, rationalistic, rather than a gospel that is unconditional in its covenantal agreement with mankind. Requiring no decision or act, even the act of faith, in order for man to appropriate this salvation. This so great salvation. Wouldn't be so great if there was a stipulation placed on man to appropriate it, even if God lowered the bar and just made it one little act of believing. Welcome to the year. Of the breakout, the gospel is going to break out. So listen carefully as we move seamlessly. The next thing Paul writes, as he wrote in Romans two to one two to four, where he pulled a breach of epistolary etiquette and talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The son of David according to the flesh and therefore kingly Messiah, raised from the dead, and therefore his throne is forever, and by which God proclaimed him to be eternally his son. He says the same thing in Second Peter, Second Timothy two eight. Remember Jesus the Messiah, and today the communion will be remember him. Remember Jesus the Messiah raised up from the dead, from the seed of David. According to my gospel. According to my gospel is a phrase Paul uses in Romans 2.16. Where he asserts against. An opposing teacher. Against a thorn in Paul's flesh. Against a messenger of Satan. Paul asserts according to his gospel, that all mankind will be judged through Jesus Christ and not damned for wrongdoing or justified by good works. According to my gospel, Paul says. Paul's gospel is God's good news with regard to his son, whom he declared to be his son by raising him from the dead. That Jesus is from the sperma, the seed of David. And that he's raised up from the dead means that he is now enthroned forever. On the throne over all things is not death, but the vanquisher of death. It isn't sin nor sin's power. It's Jesus the Messiah. And Paul irons out the eschatological and soteriological implications of this in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty to 28, which we will no doubt traverse through. And those implications are decidedly universal. God being all in all. May the Lord give us understanding of this is my prayer. Now, it should also be observed that Paul wrote some of his most profound epistles while in a carceral situation. Here's our new vocabulary, word of the day. Carceral, that means in a situation of incarceration, in prison. Remember we said a couple weeks ago in the fool's resume, here's my resume, in prison more often, beaten endlessly, constantly, Beaten with rods by the pagans. Beaten with the 39 lashes, 40 less one by the Jews. Shipwrecked. Hanging on to a piece of driftwood for a day and a night. The fool's resume. But included, Paul often wrote from a carceral situation. And this is going to lead us to the main point of the message. And so... From this carceral situation, in prison and in chains, he wrote his celebrated epistle to the Laodiceans, which people now know as Ephesians, wrongly, and he wrote it from prison while chained. Some picture him chained feet and hands and then chained in turn to a guard, a Roman guard, 24 hours a day. Some have pictured him that way, but he was chained. Those Roman soldiers that were chained to Paul must have gotten an earful because Paul couldn't write except maybe his name at the end or in Galatians six ten to 18, he wrote in big block letters. And maybe he said, could you uncuff me just for a few minutes? I got to write my name. But he dictated most of these. Hopefully he had a room to pace in his small cell while he was dictating Galatians (laughs) because he was like a caged lion there. Actually, he didn't write Galatians from prisons, but he did write Laodiceans from there. So he even called himself an ambassador in a chain, literally, in 620 of Ephesians or Laodiceans. And in Laodiceans 4.1, in keeping with our Lordship of Jesus theme, Paul referred to himself as the prisoner in the Lord. So at work here is the most manifestive power of opposites. Because in 2 Timothy 2.9, he says, now note this and see where I took you. Look where I took you. Speaking of his gospel, in verse 8, he says, for which I am suffering to the point of imprisonment. Literally, a chain. Paul's obedience was to the extent of a chain. His Lord's obedience was to the extent of death by crucifixion. For which I'm suffering. That is this gospel for which I'm suffering to the point of. Being chained as a criminal. But he adds this with dramatic emphasis, the emphasis of my message to you today. But the word of God is not chained. The Word of God is not chained. Second Peter 3:16 again then, and this is where this becomes extremely relevant to the crisis of our time the sad observation that unlearned and unstable teachers have distorted Paul's epistles to their own destruction. And I make the sad observation that Paul's gospel has been distorted and therefore chained in a westernized interpretation that is anything but a liberating one. So let this year be the year of the gospel unchained. Let this be the year of the breakout. Last year. Going beyond, going beyond, going beyond. But the momentum of going beyond has caused us to break through now. We're breaking through. Breaking through the opposing line. Revealing a gospel unchained. Entering into the land. Not waiting for 38 years for the angel to stir up some mystical waters of healing but waiting for the Lord to come and say, take up your bed and walk. So this year we're going to see the gospel unchained. And that means countless numbers of people will be unchained and liberated from a contractual rationalistic Anthropocentric, subtly enslaving distortion of Paul's gospel and liberated by the covenantal, revelatory, Christocentric, transformative, and gloriously liberating good news of Christ. A mystery account of Christ, not a forensic legal account of Christ. A Christocentric account. A liberating account, not a God of retributive justice, but a God of entirely limitless benevolence, which we call love. Not a God whose primary tip of the spear attribute is justice, which is demonstrated retributively, but a God who is love who loved the world so much that he gave his son, gave, did me, handed him over, and Christ handed himself over. And that's going to be our communion theme as we close. It was Jesus, our Lord himself, who said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And listen to what he says in Luke 4.18. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives. Let this year be the year of the breakout, the unchained gospel, and the year of the liberation of many captives. And now, will anyone is welcome, all are welcome, but no one's obligated, For this next phase of our worship service today. Communion service. And please let. Our very capable. And veteran ushers. Guide you to the elements. And then we'll have a very brief service. Of communion. And thank you for your attentiveness. The elements are the unfermented. Fruit of the vine. The unleavened. And even gluten free fruit of the earth the bread symbolizing the new covenant in our lord jesus christ for us now in 1 corinthians 11:23 paul again writes and says for i received from the lord and again this is why we ought to consider what he says even about this present service because there's an ongoing gracious obligation for us to do this until he comes, until he comes in the full splendor of his glory and transforms us into bodies of glory like his own. Paul writes, I received, and the word is paralambano, from the Lord, but I also passed on to you, and that's the word paradidomi, I handed over to you. And then he says, On the night when he was betrayed, on the night when he was paradirumi, handed over, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul, having received this interpretation from the Lord, says this to us. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death don't go home today and say, I've never proclaimed the gospel. You are doing it right now. Before witnesses, before the angelic hosts, and before the triune God. On the night that he was handed over, paradidomi. But you know, something is far more profound. That same word paradidomi is used as an action of Jesus Christ. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, though. Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself over, paradidomi. Gave himself over for me. So I don't frustrate the grace of God. This year we will not frustrate the grace of the unchained gospel. The other teacher, as we're going to learn says, because people didn't recognize God, because you see, we're rational and self-interested and we should be able to do this. God gave them over paradidomi to cravings and passions. God gave them over paradidomi 124, 126, 128. He gave them over to do all these terrible things that shock the modern day fundamentalist pagans. But then Paul takes that same word paradidomy that the teacher uses and he says, Jesus Christ was paradidomy handed over for our sins and raised up for our justification, which is the immediacy of our deliverance, the graciousness of our deliverance. And in Romans 8.32, Paul takes that word paradidomy out of the teacher's mouth and says, How shall not God, having not spared his son, but freely paradidomy, handing him over for us all, how shall he not now give us freely everything? A renewed universe. How shall God not reveal to us the things that Paul says? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember, therefore, and this is an unusual communion, because this is what I say today. Love one another as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That's a self-giving love. The gospel proclaimed by the teacher is a self-interested love. The gospel Paul proclaims is a self-giving love that's only possible because the holy spirit who has given to us pours out this love of god in our hearts this will be a practical reality only as that love is poured out into our hearts by the holy spirit who is given to us and above all bearing one another's burdens some burdens are unbearable but then there's the body of christ each taking A couple of the pounds of the deep weight, each one carrying it with a word of love, a word of consolation, a word of encouragement. With an intercessory prayer, with a supplication, with just being present. Bear one another's burdens and you will fulfill the Torah or the teaching of Messiah. Because the teaching of Messiah to us is love one another as I have loved you. And I gave myself over for you. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. See, paradidomi. Bearing one one another's burdens. Fulfilling the teaching of Christ. So remembrance of the Lord as we partake of these elements right now. Remembrance of the Lord is momentum and motivation to love one another in the coming year as he loved us, a love signified by that word, Para me. in the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this year of our Lord, 2017. We've received a promise. We've received assurance that you're going to enlighten us and give us understanding understanding insight into your son as was the custom when the very day jesus proposed this and inst- inaugurated this the disciples then sang a hymn and he was singing worshipfully on the way to being handed over so we will close with a hymn this this week we will resume our schedule on wednesday it